I was in the Southern League, so I'm riding 14-hour bus rides, getting off the bus at 7 a.m., sleeping for three hours, and then trying to, you know, dial it up against, oh. you know, A-Rod and the Jacksonville Suns. So it's like, it's a different ballgame. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 11 of Mound Visit. I'm one of your hosts, Casey Honigbaum, joined as always by the all-star 13-year Major League veteran, Jason Grilly. Today, we got a very special guest. We're welcoming one of Jason's friends from right here in upstate New York, former Major League pitcher himself, first-round draft pick of the Chicago Cubs, John Ratliff, so we're super excited to get into that. But before we do that, we want to remind you guys, subscribe to the show on YouTube, Top 100 Sports Network. If you just like to listen to your podcast, follow the show and leave a review on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. That's also Top 100 Sports Network. If you want some more clips or you want to let us know, maybe some guests you'd like to see on, some topics you'd like to be covered, let us know on our social media channels. All of those are at Top 100 Sports Net. You could find those at uh, Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. And without further ado, let's get into the interview. We got Wednesday, Mound Visit, April 12th. With one of my rabbits uh, and heroes from my childhood, my heyday. Another fellow Syracuse, New Yorker. First rounder, nonetheless, from Syracuse, New York. John Ratliff, thanks for coming on this morning. Taking time out of your busy day, buddy. Thanks for having me, buddy. It's great to be here on a sunny 70-degree uh, day in Cuse in April. <laughs> That's a rarity, man. Yeah. That is a rarity. Yeah. Uh, John, talk to us real quick. I want to ask. I know you you uh, you know dipped your toes in the water for a, a, a couple of major league franchises in your day, but which do you root for one now, or do you kind of root for a bunch of different ones? No, I mean I don't have a team at this point. My son watches the Yankees a little bit, so I'll check them out. But uh, you know, when I, when I got done playing, it was basically following my buddies that I played with, and then now I'm old, so most of those guys are gone. <laughs> So, you know, I don't really have a team. I still watch the game I, as it gets closer to playoff times when I watch a lot. But, yeah. you know, regular season, I'm coaching my son now, so I don't catch as many nice. games and stuff like that. But so I don't have it. I don't have a team. Nice. No, the Pirates are my team. We, I, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon. They look pretty good right now. They're they're hot. Seven and four. They won a walk off last night. I was at the game. It was pretty cool. So I'm hoping we get that resurgence. It's 10 years since the Pirates were in the playoffs in 2013. Mm-hmm. Some of my homies. And uh, my frat brothers, so it was cool. And and have a major league team, three major league teams in our area. It's pretty awesome. Brad, I know you got the uh, the minor league team right down the street. Yeah, we got Angel the Mets. They do a right great down. job. Yep. So it's been nice to have them. Uh, last year, DeGrom was up here throwing. So yeah. I brought Carter out, my son, to see him and some of his buddies. So it was cool. Um, but, yeah, it's nice to have a minor league team and something like that around close because obviously you have Pittsburgh now being down there. When you were playing, did you – or got done. Did, you played for like fifty teams. So did you follow them all? Or <laughs> yeah, no, I just collected my two. Well, I've always been a Blue Jay fan before the Syracuse Chiefs uh, turned into the, the the Mets organization, which I know Casey you love that, right? That's sure. that's Casey's that's team, team, the Mets. Yep. So uh, I know a lot of New Yorkers. It makes sense, you know how they relined all these teams for travel and expenses. Uh, but yeah, I still love the Jays. I try to get up there. I got to renew my kid's passport so we can cross the border again. And uh, yeah. we went up for the playoffs. Funny story about 
Steve Brilly, I'm going to throw him under the bus because he just left. Uh, my son and I, we went up to watch the wild card series against Seattle. And my dad had a water bottle in his back pocket. He sat down on it. And, you know, he's, he's creeping up there. He's in the seventh inning of his life. He's 73 years old, going on 74. And I didn't know he had a water bottle in the back pocket. Well, he sat in the lobby on this, like, velvety material couch. And he got up to go to the bathroom. And he's, like, grabbing his ass. Walking to the bathroom, I looked at my son. I'm like, oh, no. He's like, what's the matter? I go, I think that might we might have to go to the store, Jace. He's like, what do you mean? I go, we might have to get grandpa diapers. Oh, no. We're going to go to the game. Oh, I no. didn't know he was the water bottle. We had a good laugh over that. So it happens, you know? He's, as you said, seventh inning stretch for him, you know? He's, things happen. Things happen. Everything's fading. We're turning gray. Look at his rat. Look, I got grays yeah. on. Dude. I don't know if it's the stress of what, what the, the – the in-game life we had, but I have to say, I looked at some of your pictures on Google before, and when I was a big card collector, it looked like you had some modeling shots on your some yeah, of your cards. Yeah, these going. Yeah, a little high school photo. I was like, oh, don't think right. I didn't take a lot of heat for that for ten years. Every time a fan came by with that card, all my buddies are like, dude, how did they get you to do that? <laughs> well, it's it's in, it's enshrined in, in Google. There's a couple photo shots. I was like. I hated photo day because there were some those some card collectors and they were taking pictures for tops. I'm like, yeah. dude, get me in action. I don't want to do a model shoot. No, you know. And it's like seven in the morning. You know, you're you're barely awake. Everybody's throwing on the same hat, so it might be a bucket hat about this big. <laughs> yep. You got the same jersey on. Like, yeah, oh get me God. on the mound. Right. The moment, your moment, your glorified moment. Like today, look, girls, all these women look beautiful with their filters and stuff. Yeah. We didn't have that for our no. days, but. Top what studio, you what you get. yeah. What was it? Top studio. I think there's like tops because I don't even know. This is the last year they're 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 going to even be in existence, right? Tops. Tops. Oh, really? Still, I didn't hear that. No. So their tops is still in existence. They were just bought by Fanatics, which runs all the right. you know every major sporting franchises member, uh, not memorabilia, but all their merchandise and everything. They now own Tops. It's still going to be Tops, but it's technically owned by Fanatics. So I don't know what that means for. You know, I, mean, I still got my one dollar check that they sent but way back when you signed the You're like, hey, here's your one dollar check from Tops. <laughs> well, listen, it's probably because you, you know, you, you you did the studio look, the high school photo. Exactly. Um, I did the, you know? I was the one guy who did the glamour shot. That's right. Do they come? Well, to, a, do they come to spring training for you guys? How did that work when they took pictures? Yeah, yeah. There's a big photo day, uh, you know, once a year in spring training. And I don't know if it's Tops or who it is, if it's all of them. But literally, it's like a cattle call and everybody's just rolling in. <laughs> so, yeah. Love well, it. listen, we, 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 let's not always take the ragged. This morning before Casey did his photo op today, hair and makeup. Yeah. Uh, Gillette had a field day with his chin. That's why he's got the mic right in front of his chin. He hacked at himself today. Yeah. Heavy bleeder. Yeah. Heavy bleeder. Yeah. It was like Texas Chainsaw Massacre Handed down there for a little bit. So yeah, we're we're doing better now. But uh, you know, we adapt and and now we're ready to. Now we're yeah. We had a quick you know. It was like Nolan Ryan on the mound uh, with his busted chin, just blood dripping down. So there you go. I got yeah. that. I got that picture right here. Like yeah. There we go. That's, that's exactly what it looked like. Yep. That's the one. That's yep. a bad man right there. Yeah. Oh, dude. What a documentary. Have you guys watched that? Oh, I yeah. hope people have seen that. I had tears. I watched it on a plane. That was awesome. I was in tears because it was watching something legendary. I mean, the guys, no Legend. one will ever beat those records anymore. No. No. No complete games. Right, Rad? What, the stat that we're going to get into your career, dig a little bit deep because, yeah. uh, one, you know, we're the has-beens, right? The further we get along, it's always about the guys now. 
Yep. And the brand of baseball is different. I don't know if you and I would have even made it to today's standards. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, what are what are some of the things you notice or likes, dislikes? Uh, you know, we always talk about these changes and, and with the pitcher's clock, I would have probably lit one up, thrown one at the 30-second clock in my peripherals. That's, that's annoying, really. Agreed. Totally agreed. I mean, I, I don't I don't like it. I mean, I, you look at it in the most popular game for sports fans, probably NFL, right? Every one of those games is three, three and a half hours. Nobody complains. There's a huddle between every play. You know, they're walking back to the huddle, all that stuff. There's breaks in the action. I think the biggest problem baseball has is guys striking out and not enough action in the field. Right. Um, I think it needs to go back to some of the small ball stuff, moving runners, keep it exciting. Pitchers don't throw a ton of strikes. They just rear back and let it fly. I mean, you see it even more on the younger levels, which infuriates me. But you're right. I mean, back back when we played, it was there was pitchability. Can a guy pitch? Can a guy get guys out? And now it's like, how hard does he throw? And right. you see these videos online of guys with no shirt on, crow hopping and throwing 90. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Nice. So right. I don't love all the changes. I don't get the bigger base. I mean, maybe there's some safety around pizza first box. base, but it's crazy. I think they should have a sponsor on the pizza box for every, you know, one bite pizza by, by, by uh, Barstool yeah. Sports, man, should get in on that. Yeah. It sponsors. Motorola's got a, a big logo on. I said, it's going to turn into something crazy. Yeah. And that just tells you this game has game. turned in. Right. The globalization and the monetization, which, again, any business I tell people, I go, everybody goes, oh, there should be a salary cap. I go, do you want to not make more money in, in the business you're in, the company you're in? I don't right. know. But I think that's that's stupid. It's silliness when people say that. Do you guys I mean, actually notice the, the, the bases? The, what's that? Do you notice the bases? Because I, to be honest, I mean, I've watched baseball my whole life. I don't, even, I don't know if I even noticed it. But maybe that's just me. I don't know. It, they look bigger, I think. Okay. And especially yeah. when guys are going around second base turning two. I mean, I know it's not much, but yeah, right, it's, right. You can tell a difference. That's the other thing. Like now, second baseman can't get taken out. Home plate can't get taken out. No collisions. Yeah. I mean, you know, I live like back in the day. Pete Rose broke a guy's jaw in an All Star game. You know, stuff like that. So Legendary. now you can't see any of that stuff. So right. it's just the game's changed a lot. And I listen to. Uh, Brett Boone, who was one of my teammates back in the day, he had a oh, podcast, yeah. and he talks about it all the time. Like, his his claim to fame was the way he turned two. And you get mm -hmm. late in the game, and he'd have to, you know, he'd have some guy bearing down on him to take him out, and he pride himself on that. And he's like, now, I mean, anybody can turn two. You got a third baseman who's playing a shift, and they're turning two. So, game's changed a lot. Um, obviously, I think it's still a great game. I love watching, um, but it's it's definitely a different game than we play, Jay, for sure. Yeah, well, like to to that point, you know, taking out a base, the only base that's not bigger is home plate, and we lost one of our star players here in Pittsburgh mm -hmm. to a broken ankle. Everybody saw that uh, if they were watching. Yeah, um, just a timid timid slide, and and you know you're not allowed to go hard into a base, yep. and that's you know when you're timid and anything. I mean, he could have still got hurt if he slid wrong, but I think that hesitation. Anytime you have a hesitation. In any sport, you know, that's the hesitancy kind of – it's not committing, right? Yeah, agreed. And totally. Get injured, yeah. and that's what happened there. It didn't even yeah, look I mean, like he the was ready to glide, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Totally. Yeah, I'm sorry, John. What were you going to say there? I mean, it's, it's – you know, in the past, he probably would have collided with a with the catcher or gone in harder. But like you said, as soon as he started to slow down, then his cleat caught, and now, you know, he's out for however long. Right. Well, they should make the home plate bigger if people are worried about, you know, speeding up the game. Make, make it the wider. More 
Hey, I don't know, man. Again, pitchers would love that. People, there you the, go. The, the topic, and this is why it gets crazy. I think it's going to be interesting if that comes into play during the playoffs. Yeah. Game seven, if I needed an extra second as a pitcher or as a hitter to mentally get ready for the biggest moment in your career in life, like, okay, you got your big league debut. You got drafted. You got your big league debut. Now you're an everyday player. You make the all-star team. If you're lucky, put a feather in your cap. Get to the World Series and win the ring, right, on top of maybe put another, hey, I got a multi-year deal somewhere in those five things. Now you're going to rush me? Like, you know, you're going to rush me yeah. in the moment yeah. that could mean whether I get a championship ring that says World Series or AL or NL championship on it, crazy. I don't know. I like my steak cooked the way I like. I don't rush the cook in the kitchen when he's preparing my steak. I want it to come out the right way. So, I don't know, a second or two, that time that you say you can't get back by going to a ball game and, you know, maybe you're uh, in that line trying to get a beer and then you're the last guy to not get it because, hey, it's two hours and 30 seconds. We're out of here. Thank you so much. I mean, definitely, there, there should be no clock in baseball. It's some of the beauty of it, right? And to your point, I mean, what's two seconds? And then the other thing is, how much grace period are the umpires going to give of when that start, right. clock starts, when they actually call it? Because I've seen some games where the hitter almost looks rushed because they just kind of step out and they're gathering themselves. It might be 0-2, you know, and you're kind of like, you want to take a breath and just regroup, but you can't because you got to get back in for fear of, okay, strike three and you don't have right. a chance. Well, who's going to manipulate that home field versus who's pushing that button? Is right. there manipulation to that? In you a know, big like situation. Big situation, big game on the line. I think it's going to come into something, and then, you know what, they'll do away with it. You'll see another change. It's yeah. to keep the topic going. I think that's what it is. We have all these talk shows, podcasts, you know. Uh, everybody wants to be relevant, validated, and uh, that's what we're here, man. We got some of my heroes again, John Ratliff, man, a legend from – Lemoyne College, Liverpool. We had another fellow Liverpool guy, Scott Brown. Oh yeah, uh, yep. Yeah. And transitioned from uh, you know little little poop shooter, you know little thumber. Heck of a pitching coach now. It's a hell of a pitching coach, right? Yeah, At yeah. Vanderbilt. So yeah. you Liverpool guys, I don't know. That was a pavilion, and uh, you, we rivaled us pretty good, but. I'm Beville now, so it's different for me. <laughs> my son will be wearing the red and black instead of the orange and blue, oh, wow. but. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a different animal over here. Liverpool's changed. It's you know, baseball in general around here has changed because when we grew up, I mean, all the kids that couldn't hit a curveball played lacrosse, right? So, oh, and now yes. it's like Ballinsville's that's... winning state championships in lacrosse, and so that's kind of the the king. But Bebo does a great job. Uh, Dave Pennefeather was a guy I grew up playing with, coach there now. He's done a great job with the program, and so I'm excited to see kind of as we come through. But yeah, we had some battles back in the day with Bebo. I love that Cobra Kai shot at the lacrosse player. Charlie Lockwood is one of our guys. I was going to say, I wonder what Charlie will think about that. I I wanted to ask you, John, before um, we'll we'll get to, I want to get to your your playing career uh, a little bit too, but I wanted to ask, since we were on the topic of the pitch clock, this is a question I've been wanting to ask, you know, especially two former major league pitchers. Um, What do you guys think about, because this is something I've wrestled with, what do you think about taking the pitch clock out in the ninth inning? Because you think you look at basketball and you look at football. Football, you know, you've got all these timeouts. It seems like, and then the the you know two minute warning. It seems like the last two minutes of a football game start to slow down, and people have kind of accepted that. Basketball, you've got timeouts being called left and right. You know, all that stuff going on. The game seems to slow down in those last couple of minutes of a basketball game. So why not? get rid of the pitch clock, and you can use your judgment on that if you're an umpire. If it's a blowout game, maybe you don't need to. 
But if it's the ninth inning of a you know two one three one game a zero zero game, take the pitch clock out. What do you what are your thoughts on something like that? I mean, I don't disagree with that. I'd almost if you did do something like that, I almost would back it up to probably like seven eight nine because like, sure. sometimes the seventh and eighth inning are the biggest outs of the game. The yeah. closer, I mean, Jake can attest to it. He was a setup guy for a while yep. and then a great closer for a few years. But sometimes those eighth inning outs are even harder. You come in, you got guys on and you know, you're facing the meat of the order. So that, um, you know, I, I don't want to see the pitch clock at all, but if they did do something like that, I don't have a problem with it. And again, I think it goes back to how much leeway are the umpires going to give? Are they going right. to give you a second or two or three? Because um, sometimes you just need to regroup. And then even if you're not getting the sign, you're shaking your catcher off a bunch. Like how much can you step off then? Or do you have to throw a pitch? Is it a ball? Like I think that's think the remains to be seen. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I think about A.J. Burnett. There used to be in Miami, there's, there's footage of it. And A.J., the former teammate of mine twice, there was a, uh, a, a, a truck. I don't remember what it did. Every game would go behind home plate. And his warm-up pitch, you remember this? He drilled the there? truck. He drilled the truck. He was so pissed at the truck. He threw <laughs> one of his warm-up pitches through one of the windows. Yeah. So I wonder if A.J., knowing how A.J. was when he pitched, I know how I would have done I think I would have, if something like that pissed me off or cost me a game or a moment mm. to be ahead or behind, whatever, uh, manipulate the situation not in my favor, I think I would have reared back and thrown it. Probably got a hefty fine. 100%. But I'm waiting to see. I'm waiting to see <laughs> if somebody gets pissed off and just beats the clock literally with a bat or goes over there and crow hops one right into the 30 second. <laughs> I mean, like you said before, it's distracting and like who wants to see like you've never seen it. Like everybody who's growing up playing, you've never seen that in your life. And now you're staring at this thing and go, Oh, I got three seconds left. I better pick up the pace. You know, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's weird. Uh even the umpires coming out um when an instant replay, you know, where they, they go, it looks like they're like NFL referees with the white hat on coming out like we have a uh, timeout on the field, and we're checking this out. I didn't know if there was clipping at second base. You know, we got a 15-yard penalty. It's just it's oddities, right, again. And it's not to knock it. I love the game. I know you love the game. We all love the game, and we're not trying to sound like Grandpa who walked to school to and from five miles with snowshoes <laughs> up up and back. You know, it, it's right. it's hard. It, change is always hard, no matter yeah. what it is. I don't care if what the topic is, it, you know. They did something in school different. It screws with you because when we're disciplined people, we're not motivated. And when you get in that rhythm and timing of things, you know, I don't know if a musician said, Hey man, we got to get this concert over. Well, wait a minute. We were about to, I was about to bust out in this jam on stage because I was feeling the crowd. Mm -hmm. The crowd's getting shortchanged a little bit. So, yeah, you know, it's an adjustment but we're jamming. for everyone. Yeah. I think we're all st – everybody's still getting used to it, starting to figure out, you know, I think – and the nice thing is that Major League Baseball has said they will, you know, if enough – if enough needs to be done that they will, you know the, – the rules aren't set in stone, basically. They will change things. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, we'll it's see. An experiment. But, exactly. Well, speaking of experiments, Rat, let's get into your career, man. Exactly. What was some of the – the highs, the lows, some of your stories, clubhouse, funny humor. I mean, don't throw anybody under the bus. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. No, this is not a tell-all radio station, but you know, give us some of your your stuff that you. Uh, I mean, some of the best time of my career, obviously, being a first-round pick from this area was kind of you know to start from the beginning was rare at that time. You know, yeah. you, you you surpassed me and got even higher than I did, uh, like four years later. But 
I mean, so coming in that first year with the Cubs, there was definitely some nervousness as a kid from upstate New York. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a lot of eyes on you, you know, and like you went to Seton Hall. So you had a little bigger experience than I did at LeMoyne, you know, on the college ranks. But I remember the first time trying to size up like who I was as a player was the Cape Cod League and going mm -hmm. there. I made the all star team there. Um, you know, Billy Wagner was one of the guys that was in that wow. league that year. Oh, yeah. Um, great story about him. Actually, the first game we played, they had the roster on the side of the dugout and uh, <laughs> he comes in in the ninth inning. This little five ten lefty. He's blowing about one hundred and fifty. The lights <laughs> are terrible. Can't see anything. And so all it had, it didn't have his name. It just said it had his number in Ferrum College because that's for I think it was Ferrum. What, what team were you on? What team did you play? I was for? in Hyannis. Hyannis Ooh, that's a good he was one. With, uh, he was with Brewster. So literally first game and the roster's up and most of the guys, you know, Florida State, all these big time schools. So me at Lemoyne, I'm like already trying to see how I size up with these guys I just watched in the College World Series. And then Billy Wagner comes in, and so we just started calling. He didn't have a name, so we called him the Legend. <laughs> he came in and then, you know, as the as the summer kept going, it was like, holy cow, this guy's a stud. And then obviously becomes our right? closer. Yeah. I mean, Should be a Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. When, yeah, I agree. But no, when no. he came in, like, we were just like, who is this dude? But, you know, that's how it goes. And then, you know, but, great guy back too, kind of my, my Cub days, you know, uh, I, I, I definitely felt the pressure the first couple of years, I think, as a first round pick and trying yeah. to do too much and. I kind of flew through the system, similar to how you did, Jay, where, you know, the 12th start of my career, I was in AAA, and wow. I'm 21, and I got some innings in big league camp that first spring where I, I faced Griffey Jr., got him out. Um, the steroid era, too. Steroid era. Yeah, kind of the heyday of it, right? So, right. And, and our skinny ass is trying to make our way. Yeah, you know? I'm like I'm like a buck 80, you know, at the time. <laughs> um, and speaking of, you know, Sammy Sosa was the stud of the Cubs then, and mm – -hmm. You know, he was 30-30 Sammy guy then and blowing his kisses and hitting 50 bombs and mm -hmm. growing 20 pounds a year. He looks a little <laughs> different, though, right? Google his, a lot different his, now. Um, his mug shot now. He's a little different. Yeah, he's a little different now. I don't know what he is now, but yeah. Um, so I think, you know, those early years was more just kind of feeling it out and trying to find my way. And, you know, I know you dealt with a lot of injuries. I was healthy early in my career and got hurt towards the end when I kind of was breaking through. But, you know, you probably hit the best too, time buddy. That's right. I think you could hit too. I remember back in the day watching. Yeah. I was like, man, he could pitch and hit this and guy. Hit. Yeah, yeah. Like Sonny before Sonny. Griffin Field is is no longer. I remember going to watch you at Griffin Field and and go. Yeah. I, I did. I tried to make every game you pitched. You were my rabbit. I was chasing. You were the big name in the area, and you led the charge, man. So I wanted to thank you always. I do. Uh, you got it. You also passed that. that though. That's okay. I want people are going to surpass me, man. You know, there's some yeah. there's some guys in Central New York and anywhere now. It's just we had to grow up in basements, right? And now there's turf fields and better batting cages, and the game has gotten better. Yeah. The brand of baseball should get better if kids are going out there and doing their their thing. I mean, we would have been addicted to that, right? Yeah, I mean, we had no indoor. Like, I just we just finished. We had our last practice for my son's 12U team. We had you know 15 practices indoor. <laughs> Uh, right the you know place right here in Beville and back in the day it's like you put the glove up in August or like you said I'm in my basement with a rolled up tape ball <laughs> pitching nine innings in my basement right so now it's a totally different animal and with the travel stuff and it, it's become a year-round thing which is a whole you know kind of different topic but we are the geezers dude we sound like geezers dude now we do oh, I'm just sitting there, be that guy, I would try are. not to be yeah. but we are 100% but yeah John. Was, especially up, up here I mean you're throwing snowballs for four months and then you pick right. up the glove in April and you're, you're lucky if you have some sunshine. I, I want to ask you, John, um, because it's a, 
interesting point that you brought up. And I think a lot of, you know, kids have, you know, even though maybe your big league career might not have lasted as long as you would have hoped, you were still a first round pick. That's for everybody, man. Well, right. But you were still a first round pick, which is a lot more than, which is more than, you know, 90%, 99% of the, of people who, you know, want to play baseball can say, what can you say about that? Because what you said was interesting, you know, talking about feeling the pressure of being a first round pick. And I'm sure there are no kids who would love to know what that is like. How did you sort, how did you try and compartmentalize that pressure of being a first round pick and sort of, you know, what, what was that like? Did you sort of have to learn how to, you know, let the game go? And what was that like for you? I mean, at the end of the day, you're trying to do your job and pitch. And so when I was honestly, the most relaxing time is once you kind of get going um, and you get out there and throw your first two, three pitches, but you can feel eyes on you. I remember the first time I threw when, uh, you know, I made my first start in Geneva and they basically did that because it was close to home so they could draw a crowd. And, uh, you know, from the first bullpen I'm throwing, you know, nobody's there for the kid that was throwing before me. And all of a sudden I go to throw my pen and there's like 10 players behind all the coaches are over there. The scouting directors in town, the GMs wow. coming in. It's like, so you feel the eyes, but at that time you've already signed. So um, probably the biggest part for me was I had, a, I had a decent first year. And then when I went into my second spring, I had a good spring training. Like I said, I got some innings in big league camp, pitched well, didn't give up any runs or anything. But I was 21, so I knew I wasn't making the team. Didn't know where they'd start me. Um, but by that time, the GM who drafted me, he'd already been fired. Oh, So and Jason could attest to this. I mean, you... When you get in there, you got to have a sponsor. Somebody's got to like you to keep pushing you through. And once those guys went away, it was almost like I was still a first-round pick, but now I had to prove myself to a whole other organization of guys. You get redrafted every coach. year, man. Yeah. So it's so my three years with the Cubs. I mean, we had we had two GMs, like three scouting directors. I had different coaches all over, and you know, my first year, I bounced between my like I said, my twelfth start was in AAA. So I wow. go up. This guy, somebody had a death in his family, whatever. So I go. They were struggling. I throw six innings, get a win. So they send me back. Mm. Three days later, the guy's still away. They call me back up. I win again, or maybe I got no decision, but I won six innings again through well. So now the coach is pressing in AAA for me to stay. And so, you know, I end up sticking around for about a month. I pitch well. I have one bad start, and uh, I think I, I was like two and three there or something like that. And uh, But I pitched well. ERA was good. And then... They send, and then at the all-star break, they send me down to double-A. So now i got another pitching coach. So now my third pitching coach of the year, they're trying to change me from a sinker curveball guy to a sinker slider guy. Oh, boy. Um, my arm angle got messed up a little bit. So I went through kind of a year-and-a-half period of trying to find myself. Yeah. And the first-round thing kind of went out the window because now I'm just, like, trying to survive. And I had a really right. tough year my first full, long full season. Plus, you know, Jake can probably, you know, attest to this as well. It's coming from New York. I mean – the most innings I threw in a year was about 100. So when I got to August, that first full season, and I'm at 150 innings, I'm throwing like 65, it felt like. <laughs> so, you know, you get some wear and tear on you. I was in the Southern League, so I'm riding 14-hour bus rides, getting off the bus at 7 a.m., sleeping for three hours, and then trying to, you know, dial it up against, oh. you know, A-Rod and the Jacksonville Suns. So it's like, it's a different ball game. So there's a lot going on in your head and a lot to try to get used to as a 21-year-old you know, sleeping well, on a bus. Well, plus you're, you're sitting there first round, like, oh, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be glamorous. It's going to be all this stuff. Right. Yep. And you show up in Geneva and you're like, where's everybody? Where's all the fans? This is, 100%. This is you're hearing yeah. the buzzing of the light towers. It's like, and yeah. here I am. Right. I mean, to that point, uh, <laughs> you know, I knew the end of my career was near when 
So I had surgery after I left Oakland. So the year before, I'm in Oakland, which, you know, they're drawing 4,000 a game. But the first game we played against some the Some of the minor leagues might outdraw Oakland. 100%. We did. In our, our AAA team outdrew Oakland pretty much that whole year because we were a medal, right? first-year team. Yeah, first-year team. and and But we had 49,000 first day against the Yankees. Then the next day, we were playing the White Sox on a Monday. There was like 6,000 people. But then the next year when I ended up having surgery, I come back to Syracuse, not to bury my hometown, but – you know, all of a sudden I'm playing in front of like 80 people and I'm like, what am I doing? I'm 30 years old and coming off surgery and there's like my parents in the stands. <laughs> I'm like, what am I back at Liverpool? Like, it was like, oh, so well, it comes full circle, man. You could drown in a couple of sorrows and change of pace. I'm sure he had a couple, uh, there you couple go. There. Drown the sorrows up the street. Yeah. What, hey, what? Casey was introduced to the, to the famous wings. Finally, he got his, he, he's no longer a virgin to the yep. change of pace wings, dude. Last oh in God. town. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. You, uh, everybody's been saying that. And I, you know, not that I didn't believe it, but I was like, okay, like how good can they possibly be? They're the, yeah. Good. I mean, it's not even close. Legendary. Yeah. Like you said, a lot of, lot of, lot of, uh, famous broadcasters and, um, you know, hall of famers have been through there. David Wells used to cook pizzas in my dad's mm. kitchen, served bartend when, when he was coming through Syracuse, like I said, the blue Jays, um, Mario yeah. Rivera, my dad will tell. I gotta have Steve Grill, the big cheese. It's it's National Grilled Cheese Day. I hey, forgot man. to mention that today. I just ripped, forgot that it is. I posted it. It is National Grilled Cheese Day, so nice. you know we gotta have one today. Some there nice tomato soup. Enjoy a good there. lunch. That's, That's right. right. That's right. I want to ask you, John. It, it's it's an interesting question too because you know, and Jason talks about this all the time. You know, keeping that jersey on your back for as long as you possibly can, but. And you kind of said, you know, when you came to Syracuse, you're playing in front of 80 people. But what was the mindset like when you're kind of like, okay, like, I think I'm ready to move on, do so, whether it was do something else. How, how long did it take you to finally come to terms with the fact that you were ready to move on with, with your baseball career? I mean, it happened pretty quickly because, like, I was in the big leagues. You know, you climb that mountain forever, and I finished the year in 2000 in the big leagues. Um you know, didn't get in much because we we're in a playoff run. So they went with the same seven, eight guys. And, um, but I was somebody who was thought of as, you know, the, uh, a late bloomer kind of thing. I was 28, 29 at the time. Mm -hmm. I went into spring training in 2001 and I'm battling for the fifth starter spot right at the end of spring training. They traded for Corey Lytle, um, from Kansas city. They traded AJ Hinch in that trade and Ben Greve was part of it going to Tampa. And so that kind of screwed things up for me. Cause I was, cause he was a guaranteed contract. I was not, I still had an option left. And I had a decent camp, nothing great, but Corey just had to basically pitch okay, and he was going to make the team. Right. And I was kind of the insurance policy going to AAA. And right at the end of the camp, um, you know, we played San Diego in an exhibition in Sacramento. I started, I threw six innings, no runs, kind of dealt, and I had an out in my contract where 60 days, if I wasn't on a big league roster, I could leave. So fast forward, I start opening day in Sacramento, same thing, we win, I go six, shut out, whatever, pitching good. Um, and then my second start, we're up in Edmonton and second inning, I got numbness in my hand. I'm not feeling good. So that whole year, uh, they tried to basically figure out what was going on. Ended up having surgery at the end of the season, went back and forth on the DL, tried to restart it a few times. So in my mind, I'm still like a big league guy, right? Cause I was just in the big leagues. Worst case scenario, I'm a four, a guy, which I've kind of been forever. Sure. Um, the insurance policy in AAA, which is what I was in Atlanta too. Um, and so but then once I had surgery and all of a sudden it was like, I'm 30 years old now or 29, 30. And it was like, I was a forgotten guy. I'm starting over again. And mm -hmm. so 
in my mind at that point I started I worked out for a few teams I had some offers to come pitch and then I went and worked out for teams in spring training when I got healthy because I had surgery in October at the end of the 01 season and I started throwing but you know in spring training there's 70 pitchers in camp so you're just trying to they're trying to figure out their roster not worry about some guys coming off surgery so in May once the rosters kind of shook out I got a couple calls from the Reds and uh I think I worked out for somebody in Rochester as well, but then the Marlins ended up taking a shot at me. Jay was actually down there rehabbing his elbow surgery. And so they sent me down to work out for about a month. And then I had talked to Toronto a lot because I wanted to play in Syracuse if I could, obviously yeah. close to home. And uh, so JP Rajardi was the GM then. He had come over from Oakland. So he calls me, they had a couple injuries. He's like, would you go to AAA right now? Get your release from the Marlins, go. Um, We'll put you in the pen, which I never really pitched in the pen before. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, no problem, whatever. And he goes, and, we, and you'll have a good shot coming up to the big leagues. At some point, we're going to need help. I'm like, okay. So I come to Syracuse. I pitch okay. You know, coming off surgery, I hadn't pitched in a year. I had a three-something ERA here, but I was I started seeing the writing on the wall as the year went, and I'm kind of the mop-up guy, mm. or I'm not really getting big innings. Um, and so at that point, I kind of told myself, before I got to the big leagues, like if I'm ever to the point where I'm not the one or two starter, which I had been kind of my whole career, because um, I can handle being the one or two starter in AAA. If I'm a mop-up guy in AAA and I'm 30, maybe it's time to go. Yeah. So once I saw that and I'm playing in front of 80 people, it was almost like, you know, I'm still, I think Jason actually said this to me at one point. He's like, at the end of the day, we're, we're like in the top 400 of what we do in the world. Yeah. yeah. So you got to feel pretty good about it, even if you're in AAA. Right. And uh, so I, as good as you still feel about it, you almost are embarrassed because of where you were and now what you are sure. in one year's time. So well, the mindset, man, and, you know, again, I know we all have regrets or we all feel like, you know, I wish I could have, I wish I would have and anything. And I think for these kids to know, you know, you're successful even now to the transition. It's a hard transition. We love something that you dream about doing and you get so close Yep. You're hanging on. I hung on. I, I kept hanging on. That's why I got all these jerseys and I kept resisting. Like I didn't want to do it. I, I, I shared the story. I had to make a rehab start in double a Portland. And my mother was like, what are you going to do? She was very worried. Um, right after I had my arm surgery and I was looking, teasing her through the, the classifieds, <laughs> looking at a pizza job, the pizza delivery boy, right? Pizza with anchovies, like that movie lover boy. Uh, <laughs> so i said mom i'm gonna be fine like it's okay you know dad made it i'm gonna make it i if i just need your support you've got a great family rat and it's it is but the mindset is in the minor leagues man it is tough it is toxic man. especially at AAA. coming from where you've come from like you know you were highly touted and you were like man the, the, the yellow brick road looks so amazing right at the beginning yeah. and then for me like you, AAA was that toxic level and dealing with the ups and downs and the injuries and battling with guys who were cheating their way to the top. Mm. Uh, so I tell these you know, kids and, and, and I guess, you know, kicking it back to you, man, what would you have done differently? Would you have done anything differently? Are you happy the way things kind of were? Because it, it, always, it always shapes you. you. You say, hey, I want it this way, but we're wherever we're supposed to be. If you believe in our faith, I'm wearing my, yeah. my shirt. And after coming off of Easter, man, it's like, you just got to believe that, hey, I was I was where I was supposed to be. You know what I mean? I agree with that to a point. I mean, I think in baseball, as you know, I mean, timing's everything. Like, you had good timing towards the end of the year and then obviously performed. My one regret is that I never got 
four or five starts in a row, 10 appearances out of the pen. I got one. Mm-hmm. I threw 12 pitches and got three outs. And Art Howe came by and was like, hey, I haven't forgot about you. I haven't forgot about you for like 10 more days. I'm like, Art, come on, man. <laughs> and then the next spring when I didn't make the club and then got hurt, then he's like, God, I wish I got you in more last last year. And so, you know, and, and then same thing like with Atlanta. I was pitcher of the year two years in a row in AAA, won like 25 games in the International League and was – I think one year I was first or second in strikeouts. So pitching well, obviously with a good organization that was going to World Series. But at the top, they got Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz. Kevin Millwood won 20 games as our fifth starter. Tough so, rotation to crack yeah, right there. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then, so in my mind, then I signed with Oakland. And uh, I remember Billy Bean calls me literally at 3 o'clock and i become a free agent. And he tried to draft me when the Cubs drafted me. They had the 25th pick. I went 24th. So I was told by my agent then that Oakland was taking me I wouldn't have lasted another pick. So I had known him all the way through. And so he called me. He's like, we got a great spot for you. We got this kid, Zito, who we just drafted. He's a couple of years away, which he won a Cy Young the next year. Uh-huh. A couple uh, of years. Mark Mulder was in AAA. And he's like, he needs some seasoning. He won 20 games that year. Yep. You needed and to then, be left-handed. Tim, that should be your regret. You weren't too. left-handed. <laughs> I wasn't left-handed, right? And then they had Tim Hudson as the ace, who at that yeah. point was a nine-game winner rookie. So they didn't know what they were going to get. So I pretty much went from Atlanta – East to Atlanta West, right? With all yeah. these young studs. And I got there, but then I got hurt. So, listen, you know, bro. I don't think I would have changed anything that I did. I just think my timing was terrible. In fact, when I got called to big leagues, like Billy Bean, when I'm walking in the clubhouse, he goes, You finally got some timing in your life. Because earlier that year in 2000, I mean, I was by far and away the best pitcher. Like, I was pitcher of the year in Sacramento, too. So, three years in a row in AAA, I'm the pitcher of the year for our AAA team. Man. And Zito was in Sacramento for basically three quarters of the year. Like, our stats are almost identical that year, but I was pitcher of the year, and he ends up winning a Cy Young the next year. So, <laughs> opportunity, you just don't know. I mean, uh, that's that's probably my biggest regret. I also think maybe in the offseason, instead of being in snowy Syracuse, I probably would have moved to, like, you were down in Orlando, right? I would have probably moved to, I tossed around going to Arizona at some point, and yeah. I just think the training and being around the facility would have helped me out early yeah. in my career especially. Sure. Well, listen, you, you moonlight grammed it a little bit. You could say that yeah. timing is everything, but I, I would say even for me, I mean, I, I can say it in the respect the same way that for a world series, I, I lost with the, the tigers in 2006 to the Cardinals. And that was my only shot at winning a world series ring. I said, yeah. I'd rather be there and yeah. lose than never get there mm-hmm. at all. I think, you know, like I said, rat, you made 100%. it to the big leagues. No one can take that away from you, brother. And, uh, you know, to that point, when you guys were talking about when I knew I would hang it up, I can almost guarantee if I didn't have that inning in 2000 or I didn't get that call that I would have played again in 2002 because I had offers to play and I could have gone another spring. And but at that point, I felt like I was at the end of the road. I still had good stuff. I was still throwing in the 90s. I didn't have the command I had after surgery. Yeah. Um, But again, I didn't pitch a full year. But if I didn't have that inning, like to your point, I probably would have kept going for sure. Yeah. Try and get that that inning i want to add all these drips and vitamins and all these health shops out there now maybe we can make a comeback i don't know some ginger i don't know yeah (laughs) i I carve up my 12 year old team i'm telling you i crush them (laughs) there's a lot of healing the bone chips are now back in place they've regenerated maybe it's time to tear them down again you know who knows i love that i got a little blamey I got to ask you before, to watch that, but I don't know <laughs> before, before we let you go, John, I want to ask one more thing End off on a, on a lighter note, or maybe not. I don't know, but the movie Moneyball, I think is, is like one of those iconic films now, especially cause we haven't had like a, a great baseball 
you know, yeah. movie in so long, it seems like. So I, I love watching that movie. But talk talk to us about that from, from someone who's been in that that organization. Because um, yeah. I think a lot of people always want to know, all right, well, how, how accurate was it? How accurate was that? Art Howe and Billy Bean, those guys, how, how good of a job did they do portraying that? That was pretty accurate. I mean, there's nice. parts of the story that they kind of left out. And obviously, right, right. They, the biggest part they left out was that we had the greatest pitching staff in the American yeah, League at the time. Exactly. And they didn't really touch on that. So, yeah. but that whole, you know, walks and taking pitches and they just needed on base percentage, that's all legit. And Art and Billy kind of did butt heads a little bit. And, and the way they portrayed Billy, like he didn't watch games, he would go work out and wow. he would disappear. You'd see him before the game and he'd disappear and go, into the workout room, ride the bike, do whatever he did. And then he'd be back in the clubhouse at the end. But, you know, I remember Billy Bean coming down to Sacramento. We had Jose Ortiz, who was a second baseman, played a few years in the big leagues and then went to Japan. But he was the MVP of the PCL that year. And Billy came through in, like, June and said, if you don't get 10% walks, you're never seen a day in Oakland. Wow. So he, at the time, he wasn't walking. His on-base percentage was okay. But he was hitting, like, 340 with 20 homers. And that was kind of the message. And then everybody we traded for that year – was guys who, you know, took pitches, good on-base percentage. They had stats where if we saw, I think it was 160 pitches, something like that, we'd win 67% of the time or something. So they were before analytics. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it doesn't work in the playoffs. Obviously, you're facing the Yankees. You're facing whoever. Pitchers throw strikes. It works against the three, four, five starters in the big leagues, I think, to get your wins. But aces in the playoffs and then guys coming out of the pen, they're not throwing balls. So you, now it's 0-2 and good luck hitting, you know, Pedro Martinez on 0-2, right? Yeah. Or that's, the, that's, Yankee guys. that's the serious, that's the real. Now I want the lighter side of it. End it with maybe one of your best, most embarrassing, funniest. It doesn't have to be you. You got, you got a funny story that you can leave us with. Something that you remember going like, oh, my God, I remember being in stitches. Because I, I had great abs in 2008 with all the laughs I had in that bullpen. I don't know how I even made it out to be serious and pitch. <laughs> you got to have at least one funny story you might be able to share with us. I what mean, the, I end of, the end of my career when we were in, you know, we did all the bullpen. Because I was always a starter, so I'm in the dugout. We got to be serious. The, the, serious. the starters are serious. That's why yeah, I so, love being a bullpen guy. But when I got in the bullpen when I was in Syracuse, I mean, we did the stuff where, you know, they had to drink the milk in 30 minutes, and then this oh. guy's stomach explodes, and he's throwing up all over. Like, middle of the game. Like, we're day oh. game in Cuse. And so, I can't remember the Hot kid's name. summer day. Yeah, it was like 90 degrees. And, you know, you get through about three quarters of the milk and you're feeling pretty good. But then all of a sudden it hits you and he looked like he gained about 42 pounds in a matter of an hour and then just starts throwing up and just. Uh. So we had a few of those bullpen games here and there, but, you know, nothing crazy. Because as a starter, I'm sitting in the dugout and. You gotta be you know, serious. And most of the stories from the bus rides and the other stuff, I can't tell. It's PG. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can. <laughs> We could get there, but hey, the bus rides were always fun and classy. You couldn't wait to be on the bus, especially after the winds, man. When you get there, yeah. you could be stupid as you wanted to be, and fun, man. But uh, there's nothing it. like it. I mean, you know, the the, the camaraderie and of the, that you felt in the brotherhood, and even now, like guys I haven't seen in 10, 15 years, you know how it is. Like you nostalgic. see them, and it's like you just played with them. It's it becomes more nostalgic, and and you miss those guys, and it's it's sad that you were from everywhere. You're from all these different. Uh, towns and places and backgrounds and ethnicities and you come together to pull the rope the same way and fight for the same thing and uh, you're actually competing against each other too right there's guys that you're like oh i'm a you're a first round pick guys were like why is this guy a first round pick so you're always 
you know, heated. Like I said, uh, you were my rabbit, dudes, and I just uh, thanks for coming on, Rad. I love you, brother. You are fun. you too, buddy. You are you're you're one of the good ones, and uh, you know, from Central New York, a star for sure. You should be in uh, the Hall of Fame for that too, because uh, you know you. you're a legend from Syracuse, man. And thanks for leading the charge and coming on the show. It's been a long mound visit with John Ratliff. I like it. Thanks, guys. It's been great. We hope you guys enjoyed that interview with John Ratliff. Some awesome stories just from those days in the minor leagues and, and you know, just getting your shot in the major leagues. I think it's a lot of what people want to hear because, you know, not everybody gets to pitch, you know, 13 years in the major leagues necessarily. A lot of people have that cup of coffee, but it's still, you know, an incredible achievement to be able to hang your hat on. So we thank John for taking the time to come on the show. Before you guys get out of here, subscribe to the show on YouTube if you like to watch our episodes here, Top 100 Sports Network, and also... Also follow the podcast on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Follow our social media channels. All of those are at Top 100 Sports Net, Top 100 Sports NET, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. And we'll see you guys on next week's Mount Visit.